0: I invite you to reflect on this king for just another moment more. This king whom the Magi were searching for, the Magi who started on this journey to find Jesus, who journeyed from Babylon in the east to Bethlehem, about 1,150 kilometers. In Ezra chapter seven, verse nine, This journey is described as taking four months, but there were elderly and children along that journey, so perhaps this caravan moved faster, this caravan of magi who had studied the prophecies and put together the pieces and looked over the maps and determined that they were to go to Bethlehem to find this king. I can imagine them reading what was left behind by the faithful servant of God, the prophet Daniel. In Daniel chapter 9 and verse 25 it says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The streets shall be built again and the wall and even in troubled times. And after 62 weeks the Messiah shall be cut off but not for himself and the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end of it shall be with a flood, until the end, the war desolations to be determined. This prophecy, along with others that they read from the book of Daniel, the scrolls left by the servant of God, would have been pieces that they put together as they were seeking a different kind of king the one whose star they saw rise in the east, the one that they were looking for. Now Mary and Joseph were in Bethlehem, as you heard today from the census in which they were taken from their city to this other city in fulfillment of the prophecy. Now tradition in the church has it that these magi would have come, you know, the 12 days of Christmas, all that, that stuff that we, you know, the timing of all of it, But likely it took a little longer. Likely they came when Jesus was between, yes, four months to two years old, somewhere in there. Because Mary and Joseph would have stayed there until the purification was done. And as you know, the purification was bringing to the temple two doves or a lamb without blemish, depending on the wealth of the family. And what did Mary and Joseph bring according to Luke 2? two doves. If they had the gold from the gifts of the magi, they would have had enough for a lamb and they would not have held back, but they hadn't yet received that gift. And so these faithful followers of God brought the two doves into the temple and they brought this offering of their hearts and of this Jesus, the Messiah, a different kind of king. You know, God that they were seeking and the God that the Magi were looking for was leaving them all that they needed to find him. Fred Craddock tells this story of growing up on a farm and he said they needed something cheap to do because they didn't have much money. And they would get bored together, him and his siblings. How many of you grew up playing hide and seek? Anyone grew up playing hide and seek? Anyone grew up playing hide and seek on a farm? Anyone? Anyone? Yeah, a few of you, you grew up. And so he describes that as the one younger, his sister would start off being it and would put her face against the wall and count one, two, three, four, five, 99, 100. Ready or not? Ready or not? Right? And they would run after, but he was smaller and he had found a perfect spot and he had slidden under the steps under the front porch. Right there behind, and if you have a grandparent or someone else that you visited, my grandparents had that kind of thing where behind the steps, that little lacy cheap stuff that they put up, they staple up. Right behind there, he hid behind, and she looked in the house and outside behind the trees and in the weeds and behind the chicken coop, and he was gleeful because she couldn't find him. He had found the best spot. And he was small enough that he could get in that spot. And so he kept thinking, this is great. I'm winning. This is great. She's never going to find me. She's never going to find me. She's she's never going to find me. And as she kept running back and forth, he said, he realized that he wasn't going to be found. If he remained right where he was, he wasn't going to be found. And so as she went by, he stuck out a toe. And she looked over, I found you! And she ran back to base, touched it, and said, you're it. I mean, (laughs) it was just, he said, and I came out, brushed myself off, and said, shoot, you found me. And he said, but what was I wanting? I was wanting to be found. I wanted her to find me. And the thing is, this is just like us and God so many times, we're looking all over, thinking we're the ones that are looking, we're the ones that are seeking, just like the Magi. But all along, God is wanting to be found. The only reason they had the prophecies of Daniel to pour over, the only reason they had this understanding of where this different kind of king would be born was because God wanted to be found. God wanted to be known. And we feel so many times like God is hidden from us. Perhaps you're feeling that right now. Perhaps you're wondering, where is God in the midst of my life right now, in my family, or in my work? I want to remind you today that God wants to be found. Like Jacob, we end up saying, wow, God was in this place, and I didn't even expect it. The Magi gave gifts to Jesus, who was a different kind of king. My rabbi that I follow with my whole life, he received gold for royalty, frankincense for his deity, and myrrh for his death. Because from his very birth, he was a different kind of king. He was a king who suffered for us. He was a king who gave up his life for us and from his very beginning he knew what he was here for he came for you he came for you so that when you feel like God is hidden from you you can remember that God was always wanting to be found and even as you are searching God is reaching out searching right after you longing for you seeking you at the very same time. As I listened this morning, and I'm so glad I get to do two services, I don't know how you feel the parents who had today too, but I felt so blessed each and every time, each song. Like, I don't want it to stop. It can just keep going. I want this to keep going. And for eight Christmases, it's been a gift to hear this community pour out its heart Because we all bring our offering, it's not gold, it's not frankincense and myrrh, but it's our offering of our voices and our instruments and getting our kids here and that is a gift, parents. Let's just pause and appreciate what it took for you to do that. (laughs) You pour out your offering and we celebrate this king who is so different From any worldly power, this king who loves. And you came with a heart to sacrifice himself for you from the very beginning. So I'd like to call some special people up here who made this possible today. I'd like to invite Judith and Carrie and Joel and Pastor Mike to come make their way forward. And we want to pause as a community of faith to honor their gifts that enable our gifts. Because it would not be possible. (laughs) It would not be possible to pour out these gifts to Jesus without these ones. So, I know Judith is here somewhere because she was just here. Joel, your music, your dedication to the choir, to be here for every practice, to pour out your gift before God, it blesses all of us. Thank you. He is praying that he gets into med school close to this church so he can continue to bless this church and choir even as he is in med school. That's a gift. Carrie, thank you for your organization and your passion, your heart for the adult chorale and for the children's choir. You bless us. I'm gonna say it whether you're here or not, but I'm glad you're here <laughs> for this. Judith, the Cherub Choir and the Gospel Choir moved us um, today. Thank you. Thank you. And in all of this worship service, the entire service would not be possible without Pastor Mike. And with this restart of the orchestra, I kept receiving firsthand testimony from the orchestra that they said they see another side of you and they see how deeply patient you are is what I heard, that there is a depth of patience that they themselves did not feel they had, but that they are so blessed that you do. (laughs) So we thank you for enabling these gifts. And to each one of you that gave, uh, this is an offering to Jesus, and we pour out just like they did. Can you imagine those royal robes, those people that traveled those nearly 1,200 kilometers, and we just bowed down and we poured out our hearts to Jesus too, because this king is worthy of that praise. So thank you. I am so honored and privileged to recognize our senior pastor. Amen today. Um, She has given us. (laughs) You are an inspiration uh, to both men and women in ministry. And you inspire us and keep us focused on Jesus and the worship of Jesus in our worship services. On a personal note, you are one of the absolute best friends and mentors in ministry I've ever had. Thank you. I am deeply grateful for each of you and the gift it is to do life together. It's a gift that I do not take lightly. And I'm deeply grateful for the pastors not standing on this stage and the people a part of this. Uh, Pastor Gabe, Pastor Linda, Pastor Steve, Pastor Starla, who wrote the script for the drama that we heard today, Uh, Pastor Keturah and Pastor Mike, and each one of you, because together we are the body of Christ. Together. We get to pour out our praise and I'm so grateful for that. So this season, if you are feeling that God is hidden from you, my prayer is that you would know that God is seeking you and the reason that you are able to see and experience the grace of God is because God has placed that grace and love before you so that you can be found and that God can be found by you. And that whatever you're experiencing or walking through, expected or unexpected, God is there, even in this. And that we are invited to pour out our hearts, just as the Magi did that day, as we find a different kind of king. We find a king who is hidden in plain sight, ready with open arms to receive us.